0: You're listening to Grace Matters, conversations establishing believers in the truth. After our last panel discussion, which you can find previously in this podcast feed, I felt like it would be a lot of fun to meet with another person who is trained in the art of biblical counseling. Hopefully you've already got a baseline understanding in your mind when we use that term, because one of the main goals of the panel discussion was to define the terms, because there's a bunch and it's a little confusing. So in order to avoid some of this confusion and certainly avoid misusing or misunderstanding, we wanted to take time to unpack these things in some further podcasts with different folks. I hope you enjoy this episode as we further unpack biblical counseling, and I hope you'll forgive me as I was a little under the weather as I took part in this conversation. Welcome to a supplemental episode of Grace Matters, uh, Conversations Establishing Believers in the Truth. We had a panel discussion just recently on the Christian and mental health. And that was a great time I moderated. uh, My name is David. And it was a great opportunity to hear uh, the ways that particularly members at Grace Community Church are involved in uh, helping folks pursue mental health. However, our church is situated in, in such a great area where there are other gospel-centered churches that do things better than we do. And so one of those churches is Triangle Community Church. So I'm sitting here now with Dr. Dan Clement, who is associate pastor here at TCC. And he also recently taught a class at South Wake Bible Institute. Uh, SWBI, as we refer to it, is a space that sits in between Sunday school and seminary. It's an opportunity to learn at a high level uh, without some of the commitments and financial obligations of seminary, but for the purpose of training leaders to go back to their local churches and serve well. And the class that Dan taught, uh, Help the Hurting, Share the Shepherding, was in some ways a primer on biblical counseling. So Dan, I would love to hear how you came about uh, biblical counseling as a part of your ministry and your calling. Great. So how, did, how did the Lord lead you? My pleasure. So I am Dan Clement, and um,
1: uh, I've been in ministry since 1981 when I graduated from college, and a lot of it involved personal discipleship. I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ for 23 years. Cool. And um, uh, my wife is probably one of the most—Tricia is one of the most natural counselors, just wise, discerning uh, people that I know— And uh, when we moved back to the States, we'd been 10 years in Romania, uh, she began taking some classes at Shepherd Seminary and uh, took some classes on counseling. And uh, we lived next to a city park, and every afternoon when she'd get out of class, we'd take a walk in the park and discuss what she was learning. And um, although we'd been in ministry for 25 years at that point, it's like our eyes were being opened to uh, a whole new – seriousness about life change about mm. growth and godliness and we had a lot of questions you know what is this biblical counseling stuff and and how does it differ from uh, psychology and maybe understandings we've had before and we weren't convinced of a lot of those concepts it was a it was a a, a, a first exposure to us but we did lots of talking and reading and and uh, we just became uh, increasingly convinced that um, that God's Word is sufficient for helping us glorify Him, and uh, and that's the aim of biblical counseling. We, we view biblical counseling—I I might be answering some of your other questions you have, but— uh, oh, that's all right. As just focused discipleship, okay. um, as the means to progressive sanctification. Part of the means, because God also uses circumstances to sanctify us when He mm. brings hardship and trials into our life, and yet— hardship and trials don't necessarily cause us to be godly. James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. So right. you can have a trial but not consider it joy knowing that the testing your faith produces endurance and yeah. let endurance have its perfect result so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So so there's, a, there's an inner man heart response to the circumstances of life uh, that helps us grow in godliness And so uh, we view biblical counseling just as uh, the one-anothering that happens within the body of Christ, focused discipleship, um, bearing one another's burdens, um, and and helping each other think and respond biblically to the
0: challenges and opportunities that come into our lives. Well, as you mentioned, uh, so for the majority of your ministry up until this point in the timeline, as it were. You had been involved in discipleship; that was a core part of what it meant to be uh, with Crew. Uh, But then Trisha found it first. Right. So, how did you get from your walks in the park with Trisha to biblical counseling being a core part of your associate pastor role here?
1: Right. Right. Good question. Well, so my my job description is associate pastor for adult discipleship. Okay. And so it fit perfectly with it. Yeah. but you know, my experience for the first 25 years of my ministry was that discipleship was very much skills-oriented, how to read the Bible, how to share your faith, things like that. Yeah. And so much of biblical counseling is focused on the character and virtues of kindness, love, compassion, godliness, um, taking off wickedness, putting on godliness— uh, it's not so much about the skill of, you know, how do I uh, share the gospel, but it's how do I live out the gospel in my life. Mm. So, it was um, it was right up the alley with my job description, and you know, of course, this is a, a question of uh, chicken or the egg: uh, is it am I doing it because my job description, or is my job description that because my passion was always discipling mm. people and and those sort of things? So. um but uh, essentially what we just learned was a, um, uh, a, uh, an approach to helping people grow and change, which was focused on helping them develop the character of Christ, the mind of Christ, um, less so than a skill set. Although there are skills, you know, like biblical meditation and those sorts of things are are critical to changing our mindset. It was it was more focused on how are we changing as individuals,
0: character change and growth, um, rather than a skill set. So, what did you do to prepare yourself um, after being challenged as Trisha was preparing herself, right. taking those classes? Yeah, um, yeah. What were the next steps for you uh, yeah. to be trained to right. incorporate that into your ministry?
1: The, uh, the professor who most uh, affected Tricia was um, uh, certified through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, ACBC. He's a okay. fellow with them, Carrie Hardy. And, um, and so she was most impressed with his understanding. He's, a, he's trained as a pharmacist and as a psychologist but became a biblical counselor. And, um, and so she began pursuing certification. I had just finished a 12 year doctoral program. And I said, honey, I am (laughs) just up to my eyeballs with, um, academic expectations. I don't want to, I don't want any more of that right now. So I was, I was loving what she was learning and, and, and I was learning along with her, but I wasn't ready for a, for an organized, uh, program with expectations, but a year or two later, well, so she got certified through ACBC and a year or two later, I'd kind of, uh, uh, recovered from my doctorate. <laughs> and uh, and I was ready to pursue it okay uh, at the same time Tom Zemple who' was got went to be with the Lord about three years ago was at Colonial Baptist Church He was a fellow with ACBC and he brought in their basic counseling training um, to Colonial Baptist Church he brought okay. it in uh, th- uh, three times over four years and so right here just 10 minutes up the road we had, 30 hours of basic biblical counseling training, which happens to be the first step in certification. Okay. We had it delivered right here on our doorstep, essentially. And in those four years, we had 150 adults at TCC go through that training. Wow. So in a four-year period, we had this this huge influx of biblical counseling concepts. At the same time, Tricia was getting certified. I was getting certified. And um, and we had all these people in our church that were exposed to biblical counseling concepts of how do we grow and change and what is the goal of the Christian life and those sorts of things. and um, And so then after those trainings, we uh, encouraged whoever would like to to pursue certification, which is, you know, every Christian is a counselor. the question just is, yep are we biblical in our council? Mm-hmm. Um, how effective and, and biblical is our council? So um, so we we urged any of those who had been through that first level of training who wished to pursue certification to do so and we would help them. And so we had a dozen folks here at TCC. None of them had ever been a seminary except for me. And, uh, and now all of a sudden they have this uh, – Essay exam that's going to end up being seventy-five written, typewritten pages of answering these questions of theology and counseling practice. That's thesis length, pretty much. And uh, it was it was really thrilling. Um, We for for we Trish and I created what we call our our ACBC certification workshop every Friday. Our our plan was our, our plan didn't come across as we as come off as we had anticipated, but our plan was to um to take. Uh, there were 50 questions on the ACBC exam. There are 50 weeks in a year. So each week we would take one question. And the previous week I sent the folks home with anywhere from 20 to 60 pages of photocopies out of my theology textbooks Man, that helped answer that question. you need a research assistant for all that. <laughs> and, um, and so they would go home and they would read that stuff. And I'd also produced um, kind of an outline like – uh, a, a satisfactory answer to this question will have to hit on these issues That's make great. sure you talk about these issues yeah. so they would go home for that week and read those 20 to 60 pages and then we came together and I taught through uh, an answer of, yeah. of what you would need to cover our original concept was we'd teach it through in 45 minutes and then everybody would bring their laptop and in the next 45 minutes they would write a, write a draft of that question for themselves and okay. Uh, and then we would repeat the exact same process the next week. Well, everybody was way too intimidated. Nobody would write. Really. And so we took an entire year and we taught through the exam, and uh, and we thought, well, these folks love the Lord and they and they 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 want to pursue certification, but they were just too intimidated. We'll do it again. So we we did the same exact thing again the next year with the same twelve people. Okay. But this time. They were ready to begin writing. Hmm. And so each week, each one of them produced a draft version of their answer to that question. And uh, Tricia had the heavier load because of those 12, nine were women. And so each week, she read through nine of these essays and had individual appointments with each of these women also oh, to man. talk through were they understanding it theologically correctly? Yeah. Did they answer completely? And also was there just you know bad writing sort of stuff? Right, right. And I only had three guys to, to go through. <laughs> Um, but that year, all of those 12 people wrote their exam, and uh, by year's end, they sent it in, and all of them passed with no rewrites. So, uh, that's great. Uh, and then the final stage of ACBC certification is 50 or more hours of supervised counseling where, um, each person was being directly supervised by one of those ACBC fellows, as Tom Zemple was my fellow. Okay. And, uh, and so you, you, um, you're writing weekly reports about your counseling and for several of them you're doing either audio or video recordings of them and sending them to him and then he consults with you and and helps you improve and those sorts of things. So, uh so within a within 3 to 4 years after that training was brought to our area, we had a dozen ACBC certified counselors here. So, it's been it's been an exciting journey and we just view it as as focused discipleship. Um the uh, you know the the three resources God has given us for life change are His Word, His Spirit Himself, and His people. Yeah. You look through the Scriptures. There's there's no esoteric, secret, gnostic information out there. It's no no experience that you need. Right. It's the consistent, disciplined application of His Word in the power of His Spirit in the context of His people, and Great. so that's discipleship. And counseling is just focused discipleship, whereas discipleship lasts an entire lifetime. We view biblical counseling as there's some issue in your life that that you're stuck on, and we have no new resources for you. We have God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people, but we will apply those resources in a more concentrated, directed, focused way for a limited period of time to those problems— and you will use the same exact resources that God has given us for all growth and change to help you experience some growth in that area that's got you stuck. Yeah. And also as a result of it, so usually after 10 or 12 weekly meetings uh, in which there's homework every week because uh, Paul told Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And that word discipline is the Greek word gumnazo from which we get gymnasium and gymnastics. Yep. You have to go to the gym uh, to grow. Just having a membership doesn't help you change. You have yep. to you have to do the exercises. <laughs> so um, so um, just like discipleship requires that you be a doer of the word, not merely a hearer, biblical counseling, which is just focused discipleship, is where we apply God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit in the context of God's people to a focused problem for a focused length of time. And as a result of it, you, you, counseling is done when you've— experience growth and change in this area that had you stuck, and also when you would be able to extrapolate that specific experience to the next difficulty that comes in your life. Oh, gee, when I was stuck with uh, unwholesome speech back then, I did these sorts of things to grow and change. Now that I'm enslaved to pornography, I'll I will apply the same sorts of things right. to help myself grow and change. You know, so um, so that's all it is. It's just it's it's one anothering. It's
0: growth and change. It's focused discipleship. So in the so. course of that, you uh, accomplished some of what um, were our two main goals for the for the panel. Yeah, when we met together as a panel, uh. Because it was a limited amount of time and we had multiple panelists, we set two relatively simple goals, um, which are still very important. The first was to remove stigma of talking about mental health and counseling in the first place. The second was to define the terms, because there tend to be a lot of terms that can be thrown around, uh, sometimes conflated, sometimes uh, rightly so, sometimes not so well. Um, In other cases, uh, abused or misused terms. So... A couple of things that you mentioned that I think were helpful is you did give a great uh, description of biblical counseling, both in terms of every believer is a counselor and should be applying the Bible uh, to the specific that you mentioned the the focusing of yeah. that counsel for right. these seasons, um, and then you also gave a a, a pretty robust I think explanation of certification. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean to be a certified biblical counselor? Through ACBC. Yeah. Other organizations
1: would have different paths.
0: Sure. That, uh, and ACBC is the one that, uh, you know by virtue of the class that you taught as well, like most folks in, in our congregation are, are relatively, they're gaining familiarity with yeah. ACBC. Um, and so that having that understanding of certification and the amount of hours of yeah. supervision and uh, the extensiveness of that exam, yeah. that's very helpful to understand yeah. that- if you were to see, you know, a certified biblical counselor, they've done they've done a, a, d- a decent amount of work yeah. to prepare to help and to walk yeah. with you.
1: But it was a thrilling process. One of the women, um, you know, as I say, none of them had ever done a seminary class, even much less a right. degree. And Trisha visited her home, and she had dedicated her dining room table to the ACBC exam. So for two years, <laughs> all of her stuff was spread out there, and. Um, it, uh, as she wrote the answers to her first questions, literally she would spend eight hours on an answer, and she would be in tears. And she did great. I'd say she passed every yeah. single question with no rewrites. But it was an intimidating thing because, you know, um, Paul told Timothy to handle accurately the, the word of God, so that you don't have to be a workman who's ashamed. And right. and um, and honestly, we should be ashamed if we can't handle God's word well. Hmm. um we, we we need to keep on growing in our ability to handle it well and she realized the sobriety of it yeah uh, and she was terrified, but she's just your average they all were rank and file Christians wanting to get better at helping their brothers and sisters in Christ grow and change and taking it seriously. And um, and she poured herself into it, as did all the others, and they all passed. So yeah. it was a an intimidating process because, you know, we do take godliness seriously, and we don't want to be flippant. And uh, not all not all counsel is equally valid and good. I, right. I, um, in Psalm one, it says, you know blessed is a man who doesn't sit stand walk in the you know the council of the ungodly yep. um but his med- he meditates day and night in the word of god and um i believe that um godly counsel versus wicked counsel is more a description of the quality and content of the counsel and not a statement of the counselor mm. i've given a lot of wicked counsel just out of ignorance i was you know mishandling the word of god i mm. i for example, I used to think that emotions are neutral. And I would tell people that. Oh, well, it's neither good nor bad. But let me just take, for example, fear. Fear comes from an an anticipated future that that is negative to you in right. some way. Well, there's a whole lot of biblical truth tied up in that. Like, well. What is so negative – why – what is so negative about that that possible future? Um, am I willing to – I mean, I have arthritis and, and sciatica. It's not going away. And if one put one's hopes for, for example, retirement, I'm 60, in a healthy body and plenty of money, and then those things don't happen, then you would fear I've worked all my life and now I yeah. don't get to anticipate this. Well. That's not neutral. That's, that's all bound up in what do I value, what are my goals, mm. and, um, and do I see God being involved in my future? Yeah. Like, can I—if I have arthritis, is the God of the universe involved in that, or am I just, you know, do I just have to cope with it on my own? Right. So all of these things are deeply theological, and so, yeah. so all I'm saying is I've given plenty wicked counsel, <laughs> even though I was a Christian— yeah. So, so um, I, I now view uh, ungodly counsel as a as a statement of the content of the counsel. Yeah. <laughs> and That's so good. we Christians just need to grow in our ability to increasingly give godly counsel. And so um, I, I, I don't I don't um, cast aspersions or, or judge that person over there. Well, gee, he can't be a Christian if he said that because I've said
0: plenty of things that are ungodly. Yeah. Um, that I'm ashamed of now.
1: (laughs) But uh, I'm growing it.
0: What have you done here at at Triangle um, to remove stigma? Since you have these multiple certified folks who can uh, provide this focused counsel for issues that arise in the life of a congregant. Um, What have you done to remove stigma so that people are willing to pursue this great resource? Yeah,
1: well, it's not removed. Uh, it's It's still there. But what we are doing is... We are defining biblical counseling counseling as just focused discipleship, okay. and no one ought to be ashamed to be a disciple right. or to need discipleship. Um, we are defining biblical counseling as one-anothering, and we're commanded both to receive and to give the acts of one-anothering, bear one another's burdens, yeah. pray for one another, admonish one another, rebuke one another, love one another, welcome one another. Those are every Christian is supposed to both give and receive those, yep. and so if we if we, uh, I mean, we're in an interesting situation with biblical counseling because in the secular world people are proud of going to their counselor for little, for forty years. I you know I couldn't make it through life without my counselor. So right, right, right. on the one hand, there's there
0: there's sort of a a, a badge of honor that I have a counselor. And and so we we deal with if if you think about it like that actually is kind of pointing to the validity of the discipleship that's built into the Christian life yeah yeah if you had trusted Jesus and walked with another believer for forty years (laughs) that'd be something to brag about yeah
1: yeah so so it's really a double edged sword I mean we we uh, uh, we want to call it biblical counseling because a counsel is a good biblical word the Holy Spirit is our counselor yeah. so um so we we don't want to abandon the word counsel because it's a good biblical word. Yeah. Um and some people are highly attracted to the concept of counsel sure. as I say others will will view it as stigmatized. Oh, I'm damaged. I'm I'm right. mentally ill to you know that's why we balance out calling it biblical counseling by saying all it is is focused discipleship. All it yep. is is one anothering. All it is is helping. It's just Christian relationships. Yep. We do try and distinguish between what we would call little C counseling and big C counseling. Okay. As, a, as a pastor, when people come to me, um, they're not as shocked when I give them homework or I sit across my desk from them. Right. Or I'm a little bit more directive than their average friend would be. Um, every Christian Every, every human counsels. I mean, you go to a coffee shop and you'll hear a table over there, girl, I wouldn't let him treat you that way. Right, well, that's right. counsel. <laughs> yeah. not very good counsel, but yeah. it's counsel. So um, so we all counsel. I would call that little C counseling. It's informal, okay. you know um, But either way, we want our daily conversations, the little C counseling that we do. Or, I mean, yesterday I was at the DMV with a lady in our church and registering a car, and we were talking through some of the challenges of the Christian life, and that was just little C counseling. Yeah. It was just the normal one anothering as we were waiting in a DMV line to register a car. And um, uh, But we also urge people that um, if you can, try and be one step more intentional one step more uncomfortable in your directiveness and you'll help your friends more. Like if you can hmm. say, Betty, that's yeah, you know, I'm hearing about how Tom is is treating you and I read this little mini book recently. It really helped me. Would you be willing to read that and give me your thoughts on it? In other words, being one click more directive and yeah. intentional in your relationships and um and that just that just really helps people. Um, when we when we want another in that way so how have we tried to remove this stigma one on the one hand there are lots of people who are attracted to the idea of being counseled right Um, but the other way is we try and show that this is the normal Christian life and we try and use the synonyms for counseling like one anothering, discipleship focused discipleship growth and change progressive sanctification those sorts of things to show that this is the normal Christian life
0: so uh, you definitely mentioned in the course of removing stigma, you're giving clarification and definition for some of these terms yeah. that are used. Uh, one of the questions that was asked in the panel that almost stumped us and, and its kind of simplicity on its face is uh, you know, the panel was titled The Christian and Mental Health. Yes. So how would you define mental health?
1: Yes. Okay. That's a good question. Uh, I always like trying to use Bible words wherever possible hmm. um, for That's two reasons. Practice. For two reasons. One is um, then I can see what does the Bible say about this thing, yep. and I can define things properly. So um, the word mind is in the scripture. Mm-hmm. We get the word mental from mind. Um, health, clearly, you yeah. know. Uh, is is in the scriptures the, the good the good physician you know that sort of thing yeah. uh, those who are sick need a doctor so we, we have both of those concepts the bible when it talks about a human being a biblical anthropology if if you were to take the most basic understanding it would be that there is man is bipartite man has two aspects to his nature uh, the physical and the non-physical the yeah. material and the non-material the outer man and the inner man yeah. And, um, and so um, the Bible, the most comprehensive word in the scripture for the inner man is the heart. Okay. Um, in the scriptures, um, you know, Genesis 6 says that um, every thought and intention of man's heart, oh, you think and you intend with your heart. Yeah. Every thought and intention of man's heart was only evil continually. So um, as you look at the biblical use of the word heart and its synonyms through scripture— soul, mind, spirit, there are nuances of, 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 of those, right. but they all come under the umbrella of the inner man. And the heart is the most comprehensive word. Yeah. So in a biblical anthropology, there's the outer man, the, your organic self, and we send you to a medical doctor for that. Okay. okay. And so when a counselee comes in, for example, and they're uh, they're complaining, for example, of exhaustion, I would ask them, well, when was the last time you went to a medical doctor, your general practitioner, and had a f- complete physical, including objective testing, blood test, necessary imaging and things like that? Right. We, we would like to determine, is there an organic problem? Do you have hypothyroidism or something like that? Yes. Because uh, the, the organic man… The outer man is the domain of medical science. To the degree that they're able to help us, we're right. grateful for, for for God's uh, uh, general grace to, to give us modern medicine. Yeah. Um, but for the inner man, the heart, that's the domain of of God and of the Scriptures and of the Spirit. And so, um, and so. The inner man, you asked, "What? Is, how would we define mental health? I okay. would say mental refers to the inner man, okay. which is under that umbrella term called the heart. You think with your heart. You desire with your heart. You love with your heart. You hate with your heart. Mm. You decide with your heart. You choose with your heart. You act out. Of, you speak out of your heart. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, sure. Your mouth and your tongue form the words, but it came from your heart. We know that from Mark chapter seven. So all of these actions that are expressed outwardly through our outer man came from the human heart. And so I would ask the question, what is mental health? Well, what is a sick inner man and what is a wholesome inner man Mm. well jeremiah 17 9 says the heart is desperately sick wicked who can understand it so we know that the inner man this is referred to as the noetic effects of sin that that the inner man that sin has corrupted every aspect of creation but when it comes to the inner man your heart your mind your will that uh that Uh, There are at least 15 descriptions uh, in the scriptures about it, but, you know, it's corrupted. It's depraved. uh, It's sick. It's wicked. Um, It's redeemable, you know, and – and so what I would say that mental health is, is the mind of Christ. Mm. We see it in, in, in Philippians 2. We see the humility, the other centered, We see loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Three of those terms, heart, soul, mind, that's inner man. Yeah, that's right. Strength yeah. is yeah. outer man. Yep. You know, so it's the totality of your being. And, and that's what the scriptures oftentimes does. Is it'll It'll stack up synonyms. So yeah. heart, soul, and mind are not different things. Right, they're different ways of talking about the same thing—the inner man. But your strength is your body, your outer man. I'm you know. So we're to love God with the totality of our being, inner man and outer man, which and, Jesus exemplifies absolutely. Yeah, you know, and uh, and love our neighbors. Ourself, um, we do that in the context of you know until we are glorified, um, there is remaining sin in our heart. So you know the psalmist will say, you know. I will not be afraid, I'll put my trust in you. And then in the same psalm he'll say, When I am afraid. Well, gee, I thought you weren't gonna be afraid. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I am afraid, and when every time I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Yeah. And if ever I put my trust in you, I might avoid some fears, but when I get afraid again, I'll put my trust in you. Yeah. So um so it's an ongoing struggle. It's progressive sanctification. Yeah. Um we you know uh uh, first John three, one through three says, little children, we are children of God, but it's not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when we see him face to face, we will be as he is. Yeah. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him, that when we see him, we'll be transformed in his image. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself now. So it has, yeah. it has past, future, and present in there. We yeah. already are, we've become children of God. It hasn't yet appeared what we will be, but the person who fixes their hope on that, It energizes them in the here and now to become what we're going to be. So mental health is the mind of Christ. None of us will completely have it. All of us are mentally sick. We come in this world depraved. Um, Even with justification, uh, all of the noetic effects of sin are not rolled away. They won't be until we're with him. But we believe in progressive sanctification. So... Uh, those of us who are a saved and forgiven, and who are engaging in progressive sanctification, will increasingly be gaining the mind of Christ, and we will be therefore be gaining mental health. So the yeah. uh, a healthy mind is a mind that is submitted to the to the lordship of God. Uh, the Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to curse him because I don't have the experience I want. Right. It's submissive to God. Uh, uh, a, a healthy, uh, fallen human mind doesn't trust itself. And it says, you know, I trust the word of God more than I trust my feelings yeah. and even my interpretation of life experiences. Mm. I'm going to filter all of this to the word of God. So mental health is the mind of Christ. None of us have it, but we can increasingly get it. And we will have it when we're glorified. Amen. And until then, we we pro- we progress
0: toward the mind of Christ, and that is mental health. I think an important an important thing that you mentioned was having a biblical anthropology. Yeah, uh, that's one of the core ways that I hope that uh, this particular series in Grace Matters, but all of our you know our our teaching in our respective churches would lead our people. To have a biblical anthropology. It's that's part of understanding the gospel in the first you know, place. But. And not being
1: shocked that we're capable of any or all these sins. Right. Right. You know. I I, I tell people I hope not, but my my worst sin might be ahead of me. And yeah. God knows that. God but is for the aware grace of that. Of God. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so we are all if if King David, a man after God's own heart, could right. do what he did, I yeah. am capable of
0: anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we need God's word, God's Spirit, and God's people. Yeah. I love that uh, that framework too. So, what are some resources that you would recommend if someone like someone in our church are already interested in being certified through right. ACBC or if someone didn't want to go that far yet but wanted to to read something yes. or engage with someone who in some writings that would give them more room to explore these ideas that you've brought up, what right. are the key resources you would point to?
1: I would start with Heath Lambert's a Theology of Biblical Counseling. I think it's in that uh, – I think it's probably produced by the uh, Biblical Counseling Coalition, but okay. look at it. Heath Lambert, uh, Theology of Biblical Counseling. He Read that book, and he helps you write the theology section of the ACBC exam, essentially, but he goes okay. through the theological categories from a biblical counseling standpoint. So okay. um, that would be a great introduction. Um, Christ Center Biblical Counseling. I forget who the authors are. but It's in that same series. Okay. Um, if uh, If you're wondering, you know, can can the Scripture, these ancient, this this, can this two to three thousand year old book really address the complex problems that we encounter today? Um, then Counseling the Hard Cases is a great book. Okay. Um, you know, how would a biblical counselor help someone who has OCD? or bipolar disorder or those sorts of things. What would be the biblical words um, that we would use for describing those experiences? Because those those labels are really just, of course, descriptions of a series of symptoms that you display. Yep. You display these symptoms, yep. then, then we put this label on it. And um, it'd be the, the Gerasene Demoniac, for example, you know, uh, he was, by today's Terminology. He was schizophrenic. He yeah. was paranoid. You know, have you come to destroy us? Don't send us into the abyss. Well, that's paranoia. Right. Yeah. He was cutting, self harm. Yeah. Okay. He was antisocial. He lived by himself in the in among the graves. He was antisocial. So um, the scripture knows about all of because because human beings have not changed since the mm-hmm. fall. Yeah. Uh, so um. So uh, the human heart has not changed and um so so the scriptures understand all of these experiences that we identify today it'll put different words on them and it clearly has a different suggested solution
0: yeah now was so. counseling the hard cases counseling the hard cases who
1: do you remember who that's by uh amazon will tell you okay yep <laughs> it's it's it's
0: a bunch of chapters i forget who this who the editors are okay so um any other parting parting words of wisdom do you want to give to those who are considering either seeing a biblical counselor or uh, being better equipped to train Uh, and to provide counseling? Great question.
1: Um, I think that when we develop a biblical anthropology we will realize that we are all flawed individuals and um, uh, we just need to have the humility to, to realize that until I'm with the Lord there's room for growth. I need, I need God. I need His Word. However, um, you know, except for the person that God puts into solitary confinement or on that desert island, God's will for the way that He grows us up is through the ministry of His people. Hmm. Um, uh, for the for the most part, God does not choose to change us on our own. It'll be through the through the ministry and influence of other people. So um, I would just urge humility and submission to the plan of God, being willing to be open, be willing to be known, um, uh, find people who, who um, are comfortable in not just admitting their flaws in, in the generic abstract, but um, willing to admit um, specifics, those are safe people who understand that we're all in process, growth, and change. I mean this mm. – th- the gospel assumes this. I mean the, the, the nature of the gospel is that we are all flawed individuals under the wrath of God. We deserve hell, and all of us are accepted absolutely by the grace of God by no merit of our own. So yeah. um, just living consistently under gospel ideas should cause us to realize, well – of course, I'm a flawed individual. The gospel is only for flawed dead sinners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so to admit that I'm one of those just makes me uh, a candidate for gospel help. Hmm. Um, so just you know more acceptance of each other, more openness about real specifics more confessing of our sin to one another and asking each other to forgive us to to you know i had to ask one of the counselors i trained to forgive me for a, a an unkind comment um we use the uh, uh the three trees model um from uh uh ccf we find it very helpful in explaining it's it's an unpacking of jeremiah 17 5 through 10 and uh so, uh, Trish and I have created what we call our Three Trees Journal. It helps you work through the Three Trees model of life change, okay. taking an incident in your life, and I not only have counselees uh, think through issues in their life using this Three Trees model of life change. You can find it in the Journal of Biblical Counseling under "How Christ Changes by His Grace" uh, by Lane and Tripp. But, um, but uh, I, I, I use, you know trish and i use this ourselves we'll we'll think through um some aspect of heat in our life as as jeremiah 17 phrases it and we'll unpack it with this model and anyway so i wrote up a three trees journal on this incident where i was rude toward this other counselor Hmm. and uh and I routinely print these off and share them with counselees as I'm showing them how to think through sin in their life and how to bring it under the lordship of Christ and yeah. the blood of Christ. I'll say, well, here are three examples of sins that I committed and how I worked through this. And so just, just being that kind of person that says, well, sinners sin Yeah. sin. Of course I do that. And so do you, even if you won't admit it. Yeah. I know we do. <laughs> um, so um, – by by believing the Bible, I already know a lot about every human being on this earth. Okay. Sometimes more than they know about themselves, hmm. even though I've never met them. Because God knows them, God knows us, yeah. and um, so just because I I, I I um I'm I'm gonna butcher this quote. I used to say we need to become comfortable with our sin. I don't want to say that right, because right. we never should. But Ed Welch, on page 39 of his book, uh, uh, Addictions, A Banquet and a Grave, has roughly this quote. We need to allow the doctrine of sin to become a um, a normal feature of our view of self and of our public discourse. Hmm. I got that. 90% right. Okay. And and so uh, allow the doctrine of biblical anthropology. We are both depraved and dignified, we're the only creature made in the image of God. So right. incredible dignity and yet total depravity. Yeah, both right. of those held in tension. Allow that biblical anthropology to be to inform our normal view of myself. Yeah i'm I'm deeply loved by God and deeply flawed. Allow that to become my normal view of myself and allow it to become a routine part of our public discourse. We talk mm-hmm. about ourselves and each other with an informed biblical
0: theology. I biblical think that would go, that goes towards removing the stigma of talking about sin
1: yes. and removing
0: the stigma of talking about biblical counsel. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Dan. I'm glad that we are in community together. Yes. um, And our church has been uh, blessed already through your teaching and your ministry. And I know that TCC is blessed as well. Well. So thank you again for taking time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as you were invited to sit with us as we sipped on coffee. I sipped a little more loudly than I should have. But we also got to get to the heart of biblical counseling. If you have any questions or want to follow up on some of the resources that Dan mentioned, uh, feel free to shoot an email to gracematters at graceccnc.org. We'd love to follow up with you in conversation. Or if you have specific questions for things that you think we should ask, any of our guests that we've had on a panel or any of the folks in our community, I would love to follow up on questions that you have to keep the conversation going. Because that's the point of Grace Matters, to have conversations that will establish believers in the truth.